Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition, another episode of the Chris Two Cent Eric Podcast. I am Chris Chase here in Oshawa, here with co-host with the most, my friend, Eric Bruce Lewis, all the way out in Ottawa. And just for those of you who have been listening to the stories that we've been telling and the life that we've been able to to create together, make it sound like it may sound like we're a married couple. Um, but in, in terms of in terms of podcasting together, Eric and I. It was a big um, week. At, it was a big at the time week. of recording, at the time of recording, this is a great week. At the time of recording, Eric and I have finally been in the same room twice, twice. First time in seven years in knowing each other, in knowing each other for seven years. Yes, this week of time of recording was the first time that we've actually been in the same space together. Eric, you want to talk about that for a little bit? Well, I mean, the first one was in probably the biggest room you can find. Yes, uh, we were at the Rogers Center. We watched the Jays game. Not socially distanced at all. Like biggest room, and we're sitting right beside <laughs> each other. <laughs> Us and fifteen thousand of our closest semi-masked friends, I guess, would be wait, like. It's very iffy. We we had our masks on. That's all we can say. <laughs> we, we'll talk about that maybe later. And then, yeah, and then we had a, a work thing the day after. And so we got to hang out there. And it was good to actually to actually see Chris's tiny legs in person. Wow. And, uh, cold. <laughs> cold. Cold. I have I'm tiny calves. anything you haven't said about yourself like a hundred times. That's true. Already. I have tiny calves. I I've I've pretty I've pretty pretty decent thighs, but but the calves the calves are they're beanstalks, tiny beanstalks, tiny 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 beanstalks. But no, it's true, it's true, it's true. I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll I will take it, I will take it. And just so you guys know, Eric's if you ever see a picture of Eric's hair, it is immaculate in person. Like it's just, it has a nice quaff to it, nice little nice little turnover to, to it. So if you ever get to see him in person, you're kind of like, is it real? It's real and it's spectacular. And yes, I saw that line off of an episode of Seinfeld. As we're as we're talking today, you know, thanks so much for all of you who have listened to our show. And we had our friend Alyssa on in our last episode talking about anti-Asian hate. And we mentioned when we were talking to Alyssa in our, in our preamble that we were going to have a conversation on the, the theme, the topic of too soon, because... We thought at the time of creating the second season of our highly touted, well-respected, should-be award-nominated podcast, we thought that by the time we were going to be doing this season, that we would be on the tail end of the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Either way, we were thinking that come September, that we would be not completely liberated from this thing but that things would be a little bit more sort of okay just to kind of do stuff like go to a baseball game and everything else and yet while we've been recording this season <laughs> covid numbers have gone up tremendously there has been a standstill in terms of government and science conversations we have an election coming up mid-september here in canada in the midst of all of this Parents are worried about school. People are still angry about the possibility of what might be going into your body with this vaccine, not counting alcohol, cigarettes, what we watch, what we eat, blah, blah, blah. But this vaccine, everything else, there, there, there's, there's a lot. And we maybe we jumped the gun, Eric? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if we jumped the gun. I, I, think, I think you go with what you know. And I think in a way that's kind of what we're all feeling right now a little bit, right? Is that I was talking to somebody yesterday and 
they put it really, really well. You know, they have been mustering up all of the resilience that they can possibly have from the, you know, from all the way back from last March. And, it, you know, when we first started and it was like, we'll lock down for three weeks. Let's do three weeks and that'll get the center control. And then three weeks turned into a couple of months. Mm. And then it was, you know, we got through wave one, we got to summer and then it was, okay, wave two in the fall, wave three in the winter. And then it was, okay, well, let's, if we can just make it to the vaccines, right? And then, you know, vaccines will help us get out of this. And then we start getting our shots. April, May, kind of pointing out the season of the podcast and saying, hey, this would be a great conversation to have. And we were, you know, getting first doses, second doses. Things looked optimistic. You know, all the best information was that we were on the right track. And then, you know, things beyond your control, the mutations of a virus, Delta variant, things don't always turn out as you plan. But I think what's been exhausting for people is this, and, and to be honest, I mean, it's been exhausting for me, right, is this sense of the goalposts just keep moving. And, you know, you, you, you hype yourself up, you convince yourself, okay, if we can just get here, if we can just accomplish this thing, then, then we'll finally be able to breathe. And it's just like, it's not, it doesn't happen. And so I, I know that there's a, a lot of people I talk to right now as they're looking ahead and they're realizing, oh, okay, like we are not going to be out of this in 2021 in any sort of real meaningful way. Man, do I have what it takes to, you know, to get through. You know, when we went to the Jays game this week, um, you know, I think that's something that if you'd said, you know, a year ago, okay, next summer we're in August, we're going to go to a Jays game. You know, you would imagine, okay, Jays game, that means like things are back. And we don't have to worry about like all this. And so even the fun things are like, okay, we're going to a Jays game. And then you're doing the calculations. Okay, maybe we'll buy outfield seats because they're more distance than if you go behind the back, behind the plate. You just realize that, you know, I mean, the number of things that you're processing at any given time to do even the fun things, right? I mean, the amount of risk assessment that has to go into it. Into everything, yeah. Into everything, right? Like we didn't put our kids in school last year. We homeschooled them and we decided, you know, we were going to put them back into school this year. You may, we may have had to make that decision months ago. And, you know, now you're sitting there going like, shoot, did we make the right call on that? You're trying to balance out your kid's mental health and their need for socialization with their actual physical safety. And it's just hard to know, like, whether you're even making right, you're ever making the right decisions. And so, I mean, I don't think that we made a wrong decision in doing this season around the theming that we did of, you know, trying to prepare for a new normal, which, I mean, I think whatever comes next, whether it's post-pandemic, mid-pandemic, wherever we're at, you know, that's a new normal. But it uh, it's more exhausting and tiring, I think, than, uh, I, I think we're in a very different place right now than we thought we'd be. And that that feels really hard. And the- to kind of continue the, the thread, not only is it hard, it's also just mentally taxing because you're watching the longer it goes, the more camps happen on different viewpoints on how to end this thing. There's more conversations that are just not helpful. And I know, and here's a catch. We think that this podcast is helpful. It's helpful to us because we get to hang out. It's helpful to us because we get to pontificate eloquently on various topics. We think that what we're saying is helpful. And people who post various things, various memes about this pandemic and the virus and vaccinations or anti-vaccinations or masks or anti-masks, everyone thinks that they're being helpful, but it's a lot of noise. And it's really hard to kind of find yourself through the noise. And it's mentally taxing to try to figure those pieces out. I don't want to, I use this word very carefully and I recognize that there might be someone who's offended by this, but it has become very tribal. It has become very, this is what we, as for me in my house, this, that, and the other. And it becomes 
virtually unsafe for some people to be able to have conversations about anything anymore. And for me, I was hoping that by this time, the plan was that we were going to have our season, our season finale, which we might still do, was going to be that you, you and myself and two guests that we had on the opening episode, Carmen and Lisa, we were going to say, like, what are some songs that are helping us be hopeful for whatever comes next? Well, that's that might have a different sort of bent to it because we thought, well, we're going to be, you know, it's the end of the movie and we're galloping on horses and we're watching the sun set and that's the end of the movie. And it's like, no, this is more, this is more Empire Strikes Back than Return of the Jedi where they're dancing and celebrating at the end. There's fireworks because the Empire has been destroyed. This is the, the middle movie and it's been the longest middle movie <laughs> that any mm. of us would have considered. And you're right, like, we're not going to be out of this by the end of the year and even sitting on instagram the other day which i which i happen to do i, I take five minutes a day to do that that's a lie i do it all the time and watching people post different things and get angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and realizing i don't know if i can have a conversation with this person right now i think i might need to wait this out for a little bit and i know i know we have one listener who would describe this as there's no such thing as a new normal that's a new normal for me to not be able to talk to somebody who I would have had conversations with for a long period of time because there's a barrier or talking with families who have said that we don't have family get togethers anymore because this has been a dividing line for us. All of us thought, many of us thought, I thought that this thing eventually goes away. Families are able to kind of say, hey, what I said a week ago or two months ago, I was stressed. I didn't mean it. Are we good? And it's like, no, instead we're just doubling down Families aren't the same anymore. People who were friends aren't friends anymore. Family, jobs, all these sort of things. My daughter got her braces off yesterday, so we thought we'd go. Congrats. Out. Yeah, big day for her. And uh, uh, good day for my bank account, too. But <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. My second daughter's getting hers on next week. There so you we're go. Just, we're just, we're just Cycling rolling it over. Yeah, just keep going. But So we thought we'd go out for lunch to kind of celebrate. And... Hey, it was kind of an interesting experience because we went to one place and um, it was, we're a family of five. And so we were like, can we sit on the patio? There's five of us. And they're like, actually, we only have seating for four on the patio. Like there are only tables of four. And we're like, okay, well, I mean, there's a patio and there's one other family, there's one other table on there. Like, you know, do you think um, you could set something up? And they're like, actually, so they went and checked with their manager. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand why you don't already have an answer to whether you can accommodate groups of more than four on your patio and you're their like hostess, but whatever. Anyways, they, they, they were like, actually, no, you'd have to sit at two different tables. So we're like, okay, well, we'll go find somewhere else because we're not going to sit at two separate tables to eat here in, at your restaurant. Well, they're like, oh, you can eat inside. And we're like, we're not, for us anyways, we're not ready to do that, especially like when all of us are there because our, you know, not all of us are fully vaccinated. So that's the decision we made. So we went to another place. It was the thing to get on a patio there too, but they ended up kind of accommodating us. I tell that story to be like, as I was in both of those places, the thought kind of came to mind. We're in the point now where we set up a lot of things with the idea that they were going to be temporary. Like, you know, you go in a restaurant and you see all like the lines on the ground and whatever that they tape down and they're starting to peel up now and people are like tripping on them and everything like, you know, all the plastic things that we hung, you realize how like, they don't really work. And, you know, we're mm -hmm. marking tables and I was somewhere the other day and they still have urinals like with garbage bags around them for the, every second one and whatever. And like all this stuff that you just kind of did. Cause you're like, well, we just got to get through. Yeah. You, you know, this, this, right. And you realize like none of our buildings, none of, none of the things we have are designed with 
life like this in mind. And we're in this weird in-between space where we're still trying to just sort of like, you know, life hack our way through with the things that we have and be like, well, here's how we make it work in the spaces that we have and in the places that we are. Um, but we yet, haven't yet got to the point where it's like, okay, we've started building or creating with this as the sort of model going forwards, right? You know, you yeah. still walk into places and everybody walked into my dentist the other day and, you know, I mean, there's still just plastic sheeting basically taped to the ceiling, right? And you're like, if you built a dentist office now, you probably would just build this in a completely, you know, you build this in differently, but we're not doing that yet. Yeah. But it's also exhausting because you just, it makes everything so much harder because nothing is the way it's supposed to be. You know, you, you, you just know when you're in a space, okay, this space is not being used to its full potential and we're actually using it in a really backward sort of way. And I mean, it's not so much about spaces, but it's that we feel that all the, where it's just constant reminders all the time that like, you can't settle in. I, I just moved into a new house and I have open boxes on the floor next to me because we're unpacking. It's like, if you just left the open boxes on your floor and it's like, two years later and you're still walking around the empty boxes instead of like, or, you know, the open boxes instead of like just emptying them out and putting things away so you can actually go about living. It, it's like a society. We're just living with a bunch of open boxes all over the place mm. because we haven't settled in to whatever's next because we're kind of really just hoping we're going to move back out. That's yeah. Like that's such a good way of looking at it. We're walking around these things and we're not ignoring, but we're not ignoring them either. We're like kicking the box. Mm-hmm. We're like like yelling at the box as opposed to just kind of like yeah like unpack and just kind of like well, because we can't and, get, we can't get rid of the box right like it's like the box has to stay we, we can't we we want to get rid of the box we wish all the boxes could be out but they they're here and we can't make them leave so I think some people really resent the boxes and some people are throwing up their boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, none of us know anything. And so we're wearing, people are wearing like winter gloves to go to the grocery store on top of plastic gloves and, you know, bent because no one knows how this thing works. And, and there's sort of a congenial sort of like, none of us know anything, but we're in this together. It sucks, but whatever, whatever, whatever. And the longer it goes, and the more varying degrees of communication that are coming out and opinions, we start dividing, we start dividing, we start dividing. And there's, there's, there's a lesson here about communication that someone will write a book on how valuable it is to have one <laughs> message <laughs> that everyone agrees on and, and how valuable it is to, to stick to that, to get the facts, to get the facts you know, I'm not just saying facts like how I would say facts. Like I mean, like actual factual mm-hmm. information, and to not live off of conjecture, to not politicize things. And you know, we all tend to do that to our own varying degrees. So if you and I are having a, a debate about sports, we're going to politicize that to our own advantage to one up the other guy. To you'll say, well, my, my my statement was better. That sort of thing. But there are lives at stake, and we're politicizing lives. We're politicizing recovery time we're politicizing politicizing all those things the worry is either we get comfortable walking around the boxes for years or we get comfortable just chucking the boxes out altogether and living with like whatever is left and mm-hmm. i don't know and i don't know which one of the two evils i want to i i want more or want less if that makes any sense mm-hmm. well i think the other thing that's playing into all this too right is even if there wasn't a pandemic right now, even if there wasn't a pandemic, there would be plenty of things for us to feel anxious about and to 
that would be take, needing requiring our time and attention to to make the to take care of the world. You know, you mentioned the anti-Asian hate, Black Lives Matter, which were I mean massive conversations last year, and are less so this year. But we're talking, you know, right now we can't stop talking about Afghanistan because that's the latest crisis, and we can't stop talking about the climate change announcement that came out, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and that's now that that's the thing that we have to be thinking about, mm. and. Couple of weeks before that, it was the um, discovery of indigenous children at residential schools, and that was a massive thing. And and it is a massive thing that we have to address and we have to yeah. deal with. And like all of these things are like are are, are massive societal problems and massive, challenges, and, 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 and that impact us personally. Like it, the climate impacts us personally. Your um, as a person of color, Black Lives Matter impacts you. I mean, we had Alyssa on last week to talk about anti-Asian hate. And that impacts her not just, it's not just arbitrary, it, it, it's personally. And then because I'm friends with all of you and because I'm in a society with you, this impacts, needs to impact me. I need to be involved because I have to recognize I'm part of the problem in why some of these things are a problem and all of this. You know, it's, it's like when you have too many tabs open in your browser and like your computer starts, you're trying to do something really basic and your computer is like, no, no. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, it's because I have 175 tabs open. I really should do something about yeah. that for all of us. I mean, I think that's we're walking around with so many tabs open and we keep alluding to this, you know, even basic things like going to the grocery store, going out to eat, going to Jay's game, which in pre-pandemic times were you know, perhaps escapes, you know, th those were ways of, oh, we're going to take a night off and we're going to go chill, hang out at a Jays game. And we don't have to think about work. We don't have to think about anything. We're just going to go have a good time. And now you're like going to a Jays game. I have to open like 12 new tabs in order to go to a Jays game. And I think that's worth it, but I'm, I, it, it's still work and everything's work and everything's so much harder than it was before. And yeah, and even if you took, even if you closed the pandemic tab, and I, I, I want, and I, 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 this is what I do wonder about a little bit. I mean, I do think the pandemic tab will close at some point. It's going to take longer than we thought, and maybe it won't fully close, but maybe we'll be able to close a bunch of pandemic tabs as mm -hmm. we move forward. But these, some of these other tabs are are not going to just close. We can't vaccine our way out of racism. We can't vaccine our way out of climate change. These are gonna, these are much bigger things. When we talk about going into a new normal, I think we originally started this show this, this season with the idea that new normal sort of being this hopeful thing. And I, I think it still can be, but I do really think that new normal is going to be a lot harder, that there's not gonna get to a point where we get to just sort of like opt back out and be like, hey, we're gonna move into vacay mode for like, you know, half a decade or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I just don't know that that's coming. I, I, I just don't, I, or if we do, then we're going to, pay for that 10 years down the road because we didn't deal with this, some of the things that needed to be dealt with because we were just too tired to do that. It's like Masai Ujiri said, talking about the Toronto Raptors, when he mentioned in his press conference, when he signed back, thank God, thank God that Masai Ujiri is back with the Toronto Raptors. We believe in Masai. Masai should be prime minister of Canada. But he mentioned that the, the bubble season of 2019-20 and then the following season, the Tampa Bay Raptors, where they were stationed in Florida for a season 2020-2021, set the team back two years because they weren't able to be connected to what they were normally used to, their own development, their own regiment, their own science, their own room, all of those things that they would use at the OVO Center and at the Scotiabank Arena, 
all of the trappings that they would be able to provide in terms of developing players, they weren't able to do that. And so they are behind, but they can't take a break and say, okay, so we're not going to, we're going to relegate ourselves and we're not going to play for a year in order to get ourselves back. No, that to do that sets them back another year because the league continues on. The league's not going to stop to say, you know what, because it was really tough for the Toronto Raptors, we're going to stop and cease all operations to allow for the Raptors to get better. Like, no, you got to still, you still got to draft. You still got to trade. You still got to develop in hopes that you can get back to a championship caliber way of being. I say all that to say there's no way of being able to, to say, well, you know, we're, we're, the world is going to stop for a second so we can catch up on this anti-Asian hate work. Like, no, we're, we have to do that in real time. We are literally building the plane while it's in the air. And when we have the conversation about new normal, my take on that is their conversations about race. So I say this specifically as a black man. So if you, mm. have, if you have a comment on what this looks like and you're not black, shut your mouth and listen <laughs> as, opposed to, as opposed to try to white splain or mansplain the black experience to me. So what Chris yeah. is saying right now, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Eric wants smoke today. Maybe I want smoke today. You already know, you, you know where my email is. Get, get at me. We were not having conversations to the degree of race like we were in the largest social, social justice movement that took place from May to July of last year. That never happened in my mm-hmm. lifetime. That was history book stuff, or I should say in some spaces, not history, history books stuff because they weren't putting it in history books. Mm-hmm. The new normal is how do we deal with the fact that we've had conversations about that and that people were so vehemently against the conversation even happening and realizing that people had that in them the entire time. And how do you deal with the fact that that person had precious ideologies in them the entire time? And I, Chris Chase, was seen as one of the good ones because of my position because of my way of speaking because of of my work because of my family because of whatever else i was not seen as one of those guys one of those people i was seen as something different how do i deal with the new normal of realizing that somebody who i believed in saw me as something other than who i am that's the new normal how do you deal with that and how do you how do you work on the fact that there's a lot of reparation not not reparations in terms of property and finances, but reparation in terms of relational capital that needs to happen because we're now three years behind where we thought we actually were relationally as a society when it comes to gender, when it comes to religion. And we can, we've talked about the rise and fall of Mars Hill and the ex-evangelical movement, deconstruction, and all these sort of pieces. We are further behind than what we thought we were. Mm-hmm. And we we are kidding ourselves if we just think, the pandemic's over and we're just going to go right back to, no, if I saw somebody post something about the police that was disfavorable to black people and they think that they can just come up to me and shake my hand and everything's fine. Nah, fam, no long talk, as back and not nice would say, no long talk. We're not having conversations. That's not happening. I'll be polite, but you're also going to get that smoke. That's what's going to happen mm-hmm. because things have changed, Eric, things have changed. And I wish I had the privilege to be able to say things are the same. 
I wish I had the privilege to be able to look back and say things are, no, it was never the same before. And it's certainly not the same now. Mm. And we have to be able to vocalize that and realize that um, for, for some, it has to do with mental health. It's not, it's, there's more work that needs to be done because of the difficulties that they have experienced over the last 18 months for some like our like our friend Alyssa it's the is the dealing with the anti-Asian hate and the 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 things that have been literally pushed under the surface in the Asian community that they were that they themselves may never have felt comfortable even talking about that are now at the surface and how they deal with those things our conversations about the indigenous population and the the slaughtering of their of their peoplehood and their i their spirit literally over centuries in our country of Canada and all of that coming to to the surface the over politicizing the meat all these sort of things are not things humpty dumpty is not going to be put back together again without cracks on its surface and tape and glue, it will not look like what it looks like. And that's okay to vocalize that. I'm, 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 I'm on one right now, Eric. Forgive me, but I'm on it's one. Good. There's, a, there's a Christian biblical concept of sort of apocalypse, um, you know, that we have this idea of the end of the world. But in, in, if you really look at it in scripture, apocalypse is sort of a apocalyptic literature. Apocalypse is kind of this idea of, yes, it's not so much the end of the world as we sort of talk about it in movies, but the apocalypse is the point at which things become unsustainable and revelation happens, right? You know, the truth is revealed and apocalypse does feel like the world is breaking up. Like, you know, Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall. Everything is smashed. Everything is ruined. It, it, it feels like the end of something because it is. Mm-hmm. And it's normal to feel grief over that, to be distraught over that, to be fearful of that, to be anxious about that. I mean, that that all is normal. The biblical idea is that that apocalypse is not the end of the story, right? Apocalypse is always the closing of a cha- of one chapter, so a new chapter can begin, okay, so that you know yeah. something can the new thing begins to emerge. But apocalypse, it is this idea of revelation, right? I mean, that's why the last book of the Bible is called Revelation, because it is this this unveiling of things as they are things that we were able to ignore, things that, you know, we could just distract ourselves away from having to deal with the systemic problems in our society, the, the things that are fundamentally wrong with how we, we're, we've organized ourselves as human beings. And we could ignore that. But now, but now we can't because we can't unsee what we've seen. We can't, we can't, we can't not know what we now know as you've been talking about, Chris. Like, you know, we, yeah. um, there is no going back. So again, all that's really scary and it all feels... And we can feel a little bit hopeless about it because we're like, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to proceed. I don't know how to go forward. I don't know what this world is going to be like. I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. I, I think we are in a moment of apocalypse. I think we are in a moment of revelation. But I think what we can be hopeful about is that that means that there is going to be an ushering in of something new. So to kind of like tie the bow on the conversation, then you mentioned the word problem solving, right? And, I'm not, and so I'm not saying from like like. So how do you, where do you buy a hazmat suit? Where do you find one online? Now that sort of stuff. But like, if you're looking at it from your own life, your husband, your dad, you're, you, you work in a religious organization that 
tries to help people solve problems by pointing them upward um, from a from a from a spiritual component or inward, depending on if whether you live heaven above, heaven below, blah 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 blah, all those sort of things from an intellectual or spiritual perspective. But if you're like for your own person, for you, Eric, as a person, like what are some things you're doing to kind of work through the problem solving nature of this? Because this is this is one of those problems that even when it goes away is never going to go away. Right. And you, you, we've talked, you mentioned it, that I've said it before. We've said it multiple times to the two of us. Like you can't unsee what you've seen. You can't you like, once you've seen it, once it's out there, like you can't just kind of pretend like it's not there. That's, that's naivete at its finest. So what are some things that you're, you're doing to kind of work through the problem solving piece? Just not, not to leave it as a, the more, you know, NBC sort of, you know, after school special sort of thing, but like, we, I, we can't end this conversation. It's kind of going, and well, life sucks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Christus and Eric podcast. Hopefully, it, hopefully you're alive in the next episode if the world hasn't blown up. We can't leave it like that. I mean, we could. It would be like our Ecclesiastes episode. <laughs> yeah, like- <laughs> yeah. Everything is meaningless. Toil, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you may die. Yeah. End chapter. All right. End chapter. <laughs> but, I, but I do love the idea, like, like we people think of apocalypse as either a character from a Marvel movie or destruction and pain, as opposed to looking at it as the end of a chapter, the end of something in order for something else to happen. Like that's how we have to view all of that. Right. Because we Christians believe in a resurrection, right? We believe that in the resurrection of Jesus, um, that, that God is always bringing, life out of death that, that, yeah. that that's um what happens and so we don't we don't fear endings i guess you know in some ways we sort of view endings as yeah. gateways into 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 the beginnings i mean that's that's how we it's a way that we stay hopeful um in the face of all the things that we face going back to your question about like what am i doing that's a real-time question right because i mean these are real-time conversations in which i'm not always processing all of this perfectly you know i've was got up this morning and I was scrolling through my phone and checking Twitter and being like, just doom scrolling basically. Right. You know, that sort of feeling of dread of like, Oh my God, like, is like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know like what the right thing to do is. And I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I think that's probably the big thing for me is what we have to do is we have to scale and we have to deal with things at scale. Alyssa made a really great point last week, right? That your one small action, because everything's connected, um, can have ripple effects. And I think right now you have to close a bunch of tabs. You know what I mean? There are there are like 150 tabs that you could have open in your head right now about problems that need to be solved and the things that we're dealing with. And I think we all just need to be really intentional about scaling those back and being like, these are the tabs that I have capacity to have open right now. I'm, and I'm not going to open other new tabs. Not that the other tabs aren't important, but I can't deal with all those tabs. And I, I, I'll be the first to say, I mean, our show is probably not always the most helpful in that because we always tie all the things together and we're like, you know, this, 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 you know, racism, climate change, religious hypocrisy, like all these things, da, da, da. also baseball. <laughs> um and, you know, and that's how we think. And so, I mean, for people like us, this is even probably a bigger problem, right? It's because we're always thinking at this sort of macro level of what's the narrative, what is happening in the world. And we can feel really, really bad 
in this season alone, we've done an episode on disability. We've done an episode on um, anti-Asian hate. You know, we've done episodes on racism. We've done episodes on all these things. And it's like, you can't, as one person, manage all of those things. You can, you can, be, you can know about them. You can see how they're connected. You can, you can care about them. Your work has to be, you need to scale it to a way that you're like, what, what to use a Christian term, what is my calling? What, what, what am I, what is the thing that I've been given to you? You know, I mean, I think of Lord of the Rings. I think of, you know, like we didn't choose to live in these times, but, but these are the times that we are in. And these are, the, this is the task that we've been given. What is our particular task, right? Are we the people who carry the ring? Are we the people who do other things to help, you know, the people who carry the ring? I don't know. And I think we have to scale it down, not even just to what does it mean for me in, in these particular things to, to be addressing this problem, but what does it mean? How can I address it in my personal life, mm-hmm. in, my, in, in the relationships that I already have? Yes, I mean, I think there's value in writing to your elected officials and getting involved in things, but I also like, but most of the work happens in the relationships that we have and in the places that we find ourselves and in the workplaces we find ourselves in. What does it mean to combat anti-Asian hate if that's the thing that you choose to focus on, that you feel called to focus on in the relationships and the spaces that you already exist in? Yeah. You know, not not in the conversation with strangers on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media you use, because that just becomes this unending well of you will always find problems there that you, you can't solve. But where where is this thing showing up in your everyday life and what can you do in your everyday life to do that or to think about it another way instead of like picking out like okay well this is the thing i'm gonna deal with just begin to look at your everyday life and say what are the things that are are where is peace being disrupted in my everyday life is the thing that's causing real harm in my everyday life right now the vaccine conversation is that the thing that the people in my family are and my circle friends that relationships are breaking over. Well, is there anything I can do to bring peace to that situation? Mm. Am I finding myself in conversations where racism is continuing to happen even in subtle, non-intentional ways? Okay, well then, is there something I can do in that in those conversations? What what can I do creatively? You know, if climate change is a thing that you know, am I recognizing okay, climate change is a thing that's affecting me? Are there simple things as simple as taking one step to like recycle a few more things or to reduce a little bit of waste that isn't going to solve the crisis, but it means that I'm participating and being formed as a person in a way as somebody who cares about climate change, then I can feel that I am doing my part. Then that feels manageable. And I, I think we have to say no to really important conversations and really important tabs and say, actually, that's not my tab. That might be Chris Chase's tab, but it's not my tab. And Chris Chase may get mad at me because it's not my tab. Mm. And I'm going to have to explain that to Chris. But also, I can't expect Chris to have all the same tabs open as I do. And so uh, when yeah. Chris when Chris says, actually, you know what, Eric, that's not the thing that I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't give any bandwidth to that. Okay. I understand that because I also recognize that Chris is giving his bandwidth to other things that are important to Chris. And we, I think we have a, have a lot of grace for each other. Because, I mean, you see it on social media all the time where it's like if somebody doesn't say something about every single thing that happens, there's people who are like, silence is violence. And you're like, like I don't know. 
like I, I get that like I get that we need to express our support on these things, but I don't think me posting on Instagram is the thing that always solves that. It's like, do the people in my life know that I care who that impacts know that I care about them and then there to help? Yeah. No, I um as you're talking about tabs and opening and closing things, I'm reminded of Kathy Bernard's song that she chose when she was a guest in our show. Shout, shout, let it all let it all out. These are the tabs I can do without. Come on, talking to you. Come on, tears for fears. Let's go. No, I I agree with you. I think that if there's anything that we need more now, and not to quote another song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, but we need grace for one another. And the art of understanding and not feeling the need to convince one another to come on our side, one of us, one of us is vital. And I think that, I, th- I think that like when you say that I'm re- reminding myself now how angry I was getting last year when people weren't talking about violence against black people by, at the hands of police and how like people who I was expecting, how come they haven't said a statement? How come? And sometimes it was politically why they didn't say a statement. And mm. other times it's kind of like, I don't know enough for various things, but I remember, and then I remember how, maybe one post I made for anti-Asian hate and maybe one post I made for, because I just, I don't know. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like he hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Cause here you were getting angry. Why are more white people getting upset about black lives? Come on, whites get in the game. Whites look at you, Chris, what about you? And realizing like, you know, like the hindsight part, like do the people who I know who these, the, these stories, I love what you said that these moments directly affect, do they know that I care? Do they know? And am I okay with getting flack because my out, because outwardly I'm being silent, even though I know that I'm doing the work behind the scenes that no one knows about. Am I okay with that? Mm -hmm. Am I okay with the tabs I have open because this is what is meaningful to my life. And am I okay with learning about the other ones that I can in order to be, a better advocate when called upon as opposed to spreading myself out too thin in order to, in order to look better, but not be better. I know essentially that's what, what it comes mm. down to. And um, a mentor of mine would always say, if you offer yourself to everyone, you have nothing to offer anyone. And I think that that is meaningful in terms of like how to, how to protect ourselves and how to offer more grace and be more grace filled over these next these next however longs. And that's a catch. We don't know how long it is. I, I think we've reached the point where it's just better if we don't put numbers on and Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with you. Like, just like one day, somebody will, somebody, will, somebody will declare it's over. And then somebody will then say, I knew it was over before they did. And we'll be right back to another sort of, it's like wrestling. It's and like somebody will say it's actually not really over. See, it's like WWE wrestling. The story is never over as long as there's money to be made in the story. Ooh, and and I'm dropping my microphone, I'm done. This has been the Chris Toussaint Eric Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave a five-star review. You can catch up with me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook 
I'm at Eric for Slewis in all those spaces. And you can find me on all socials by simply searching the word that Chris Chase, one word. You can also find me with my goon squad putting in work at the House of Commons show on both YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Both Chris and I are regular contributors to the Meeting House blog. You can find the work that we do there at themeetinghouse.com slash blog. Special thanks goes out to CAT for providing the musical soundtrack for this podcast. You can hear more from CAT by finding them on Bandcamp or Metapop. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.